off on another episode of hero paranormal podcast broadcasting from the base at la madre mountain just south of area 51 my name is ryan the original overseer of the airwaves bringing you an epic episode today there is no one better known in occult circles as a shatter of light when it comes to issues of the brotherhood, policies, politics, conspiracy, and the very real confessions of an Illuminati. Although every volume is worth purchasing, we are here today to discuss Leo Lion Zagami's new book, Confessions of an Illuminati Volume 7. Now, Leo Lyonzagami is in fact giving real confessions of an Illuminati member. In my personal opinion, this is a must-read for the apocalypse. The author's masterpiece of his confession series, this is the first book ever written about the occult roots of the Great Reset that the mainstream media wants us to believe is simply an innocent global recovery plan set up by a group of wealthy individuals while Leo Zagami proves it to be something different. With the help of well-researched historic evidence and inside documentation, from the lodges of German, Swiss, and Austrian Freemasonry, and the infamous Bavarian Illuminati. A dark and sinister conspiracy connected to the rise of the Fourth Reich, camouflaged as the Fourth Industrial Revolution, which connects communism and the Jesuits to two German professors, Adam Weissop founder of the original Illuminati, and Professor Klaus Schwab, who started the Davos Agenda, founding the World Economic Forum. This book that Leo just wrote is not only a detailed essay to expose their plan to place the world in the hands of Cyber Satan by 2030, but also a practical manual to survive the unfolding apocalypse with the groundbreaking idea of a great reject, a term I hold close to my heart and something I may be called often. We are going to discuss a plethora of items with Leo. 
going to be a heck of a show. So with that, Leo, Lion Zagami, welcome to the Hero Paranormal Podcast, my man. Sorry for that. Uh, I have to fix myself uh, as, uh, as this uh, problem I had since last summer, unfortunately. I had partial face paralysis because of that. Oh, man, that's, that's hard. I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. I, I, I basically, <clears throat> I have an alveolar uh, nerve that got damaged during the extraction. Mm. And so, I mean, there is ways maybe of fixing it, but it costs three, four thousand dollars at the moment. I don't have that kind of money for microsurgery. So I'm like, kind of like, just living with it. Uh, but it's getting better. I mean, it's getting better. Last summer, I couldn't even shave myself for a couple of months. Oh. Uh, and I had to, in fact, I had to renounce to a lot of work, interviews, things, and... Uh, so I focused on, on working on my book, and that's how it came together. That's cool, man. I hope you got some pictures of you with a beard. That would look pretty cool. Nah, <laughs> yeah. nah. nah it wasn't really. It was just in the front, in the chin, because still now I have some, I mean, I have now a little bit lower sensitivity, but it's not like non-sensitivity. So basically, I just let the normal grow, you know, usually I shave my chin a little bit around the edges i have the beard but i couldn't do it because i didn't feel it so when you shave on a skin that you don't feel it's really awful man mm, i can it's only like, imagine man it's like <laughs> it's weird so then i went i mean it went on until christmas i have no problem i mean gradually i recovered a little bit at least of the sensation but now unfortunately in the last few weeks i have some pain uh, when I talk too much mm. uh, and so b- when I do an interview before I do an interview I have to put uh, these uh, special uh, creams that I have one with colloidal silver and the other one with frank incense and some other stuff that helps the nerves very cool man well I'll get to it then um, you'll just hear a 15 second uh, silence Leo and then I'll jam into the introduction and then we'll just bl- how, how long is it going to be uh, one hour, so it'll go, it, okay, yeah. That's good, that's good. <laughs> At least I'm not going to wear myself too much out. Because I, I try, you know, it's like really difficult, especially when you're in the middle of the book promotion to have this problem and having to cope with it. But uh, <laughs> fortunately, the last few days has been going a, little, a couple of days now since I used this new cream uh, it's going a little bit better, and I don't have to take any painkillers because you know taking painkillers is something I don't really want to do. You know. I hear you. It's a slippery yeah. slope. Yeah, no, 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 no. But even if it's paracetamol, not, not nothing incredible. But yeah, it's like you get addicted to anything. I mean, once the pain, you know, just get the pain, rid of the pain. But uh, now, fortunately, I, I didn't have this problem since a uh, couple of days, so I'm very glad. Cool, man. Okay, we'll be uh, 15 seconds, quick 15 seconds, and then you'll hear me do the intro, and we'll just blast off into it. I'll be right back. Okay. There is no one better known in occult circles as a shedder of light when it comes to brotherhood, politics, conspiracy, 
and the very real confessions of an Illuminati. Although every volume is worth purchasing, these books, Confessions of an Illuminati, we are here today to discuss Leo Lyon Zagami's new book, Confessions of an Illuminati, Volume 7. Now, this is uh, not my words, but the author's masterpiece of his Confessions series. This is the first book ever written about the occult roots of the Great Reset that the mainstream media wants us to believe is simply an innocent global recovery plan set up by a group of wealthy individuals, while the author, Leo Zagami, proves it to be something very different with the help of well-researched historic evidence and inside documentation from the lodges of German, Swiss, and Austrian Freemasonry, and the infamous Bavarian Illuminati, a dark and sinister conspiracy connected to the rise of the Fourth Reich, camouflaged as the Fourth Industrial Revolution that connects communism and the Jesuits to two German professors, Adam Weishaupt, founder of the original Illuminati, and Professor Klaus Schwab, who started the Davos Agenda, founding the World Economic Forum. His new book not only is a detailed essay to expose their plan to place the world in the hands of cyber Satan by 2030, but also a practical manual to survive the unfolding apocalypse with the groundbreaking idea of a great reject, an idea I condone and accept, and I like that. Leo Zagami, my man, welcome to the Hero Paranormal Podcast. Thank you for having me on. It's always a pleasure to be on with you, especially because as somebody who also has knowledge of the occult, I wanted to really know your first impression on this book. Great book. I love the way it navigated so much, everything from conspiracy to politics. It brought everything together. And um, did so, even though it's a huge book, this is quite the undertaking. It did so with punctuality. It, it didn't leave any stone unturned, in my opinion. That's, that's good to hear, uh, especially from somebody who knows about Freemason, knows about secret societies, uh, and knows also about uh, the invisible uh, realm that uh, surrounds us and influences our lives. Uh, I, as you know, I went on... Uh, uh, in previous uh, uh, volumes uh, uh, describing the whole uh, concept of what are for me the Illuminati, first of all, which is not only Adam Weishaupt's Illuminati, but uh, a series of uh, uh, secret societies, ancient mystery schools that go all the way back to Atlantis. But in this uh, book in particular, like you cited uh, just a moment ago from my description, uh, we are talking about uh, the, the Bavarian Illuminati in particular because they were particularly inspirational for what has become today the Great Reset. And I wanted to uh, do a book uh, that uh, will prove very difficult to the bank for the uh, academic world. In fact, uh, this book has already reached the intelligence, uh, political intelligence and intelligence and espionage charts in Amazon. Um, and, and it's uh, 
getting a lot of uh, positive uh, reviews and comments that I'm very glad to see uh, from the work I did that, uh, like I was telling you uh, prior to uh, going live on the air, I had uh, minor physical, I will not say it's a big physical problem, uh, uh, but I had the minor, minor physical problem because people who have very serious <laughs> issues, uh, that's a serious thing. So uh, I will not say it was a very serious issue, but it was rather um, everything else. And so I started to work on this book because during a tooth extraction, uh, my alveolar nerve got uh, damaged. And so I found myself with... Uh, with not being able to really uh, even talk properly at one point, uh, but I was able to uh, to actually write, which is something that, as you know, I enjoy very much. So that's how I started it. Then, of course, my problem uh, got uh, gradually better, and I was able to start again with my own shows, uh, with... Uh, uh, doing my occasional uh, appearances on Infowars and so on. Uh, and the the more I was uh, moving forward with the putting this book together, I realized that it couldn't only be a booklet of 200 pages because the material I put together was uh, uh, essentially um, impossible to just uh, divide uh, and, and put maybe in a further edition. It had to be all together because I wanted in one book to explain really what are the occult truths of this great reset, which was uh, an undertaking that I don't think any other person at the moment, uh, any other researcher has done. Because when they talk of great reset or of the fourth industrial revolution of Klaus Schwab, which has been, of course, described also by other researchers as the fourth Reich, or the fourth Reich, if you want to say it in, in a more German way, um, when you they, they all focus, of course, on the geopolitical no? origins uh, or uh, the political business uh, connections of Klaus Schwab. They don't really focus instead on uh, the, the, the much more sinister roots of uh, this whole thing, which actually uh, bring us not only uh, in uh, the, the, the realm of uh, secret societies like the Order of the Illuminati of Adam Weishaupt, uh, uh, then the political uh, uh, League of the Just that saw uh, as protagonist uh, Karl Marx, uh, the, the very roots of communism as we know it, you know, and then also the spiritual rulers, rulers of this whole thing, uh, both the Jesuits and, of course, the Sabbatian Frankists, uh, which I had already previously described in connection with the Jesuits, if you remember in Volume 4 of my Confessions, I kind of started to, I wanted to make a distinction really uh, within the Jewish world uh, because I think that when you say Zionism you can really uh, get it wrong and that's why you need to be more specific, you need to go and understand the heresy within the Jewish world which is just like the heresy within the Christian world because I regard the Jesuits as heretical as the Sabbatean Frankists within the Jewish world. So. All this scenario which is unfolding in my book, it's unfolding in front of our eyes right now. And so this book wanted to be not only an essay, which of course it is, and is the first of its kind because 
it's very detailed on the lodges, on the orders, on all the various influences that brought us the Great Reset, but then also it goes into becoming also a manual for those who want to survive all this. And uh, I hope uh, you, uh, who are also in the real estate business and whatnot, uh, understand that this is the moment to abandon the big cities. Mm-hmm. Very true. Uh, and, and it's like, of course, we have already seen a lot of people abandoning the great cities because uh, of the pandemic and uh, of uh, the fact they could uh, uh, work from home. They no longer needed to go to an office. And so things have changed in our society. But it's also true that the, our cities are becoming un- unlivable and they are literally becoming uh, places that uh, are dangerous for those who simply want to hang around. Uh, if you want to hang around in downtown LA, you, you, you must be ready to be marked these days or at least have some kind of hideous uh, encounter. The same can be said, I guess, also with the growing homeless population, even in Las Vegas or in other big cities in the US, of course, which are predominantly ruled by the Democrats. And it's all part of the Great Reset, like I explained in my book. Yes. And let's get to why that is. There's a lot of factors leading to this whole situation. And among the factors, and a lot of people don't think this is related, but it's very related, is how the Club of Rome and Nazism influenced the World Economic Forum. Yeah, that, that is something that, I mean, people don't really know the, uh, all the background of Klaus Schwab and his family, because his father uh, and his grandfather and his great-grandfather started really working in a company, a company that uh, is based in Switzerland, but in reality it uh, also has uh, opened at the, the end of the 19th century also in, in Germany. And, and basically uh, what happened is that uh, um, Klaus Schwab is German, but he's also very much connected to Switzerland. And I wanted to explain in my book how Germany, Switzerland, and Austria in particular in Europe have been a little bit like the playgrounds of this, uh, uh, of this project and of the Illuminati in general. So... Uh, Aurelio Pecei, uh, that I talk about uh, in my book, uh, was the founder of the Club of Rome. Of course, the Club of Rome, the name itself says it. Uh, he, he, he died in 1984, but nowadays we have, aside from the Club of Rome, clubs in every capital in the world, from you know, linked to the same mother club, let's say, like a mother lodge. <laughs> no? uh, and, and, and so... He uh, shaped this organization together with Alexander King, which is a Scottish gentleman and Freemason, uh, in a residence owned by the Rockefeller family in Bellagio, Italy. And so I explain how this Club of Rome inspired very much, who was officially founded in 1968, uh, by somebody who, of course, was also a member of the Bilderberg, because Aurelio Pecce was not only a Freemason, but also a Bilderberger, very close, of course, to the Jesuits, so we can say without a shadow of doubt that he was a Vatican agent, a Jesuit agent. 
And uh, um, at that point, uh, when he created this Club of Rome, though, uh, the project uh, was a little bit incomplete on, our, uh, on, on, on the world theater you know, at a global level. It was only theory, but there was uh, no way of implementing what the Club of Rome was proposing in theory. It was like the Club of Rome was still in the speculative realm rather than the operative one, if you know the Masonic <laughs> implications of that mm. and, and and so he uh, wanted to do something more operative Klaus Schwab he had uh, been inspired by Aurelio Pecce's uh, club and also by the studies that were launched the research that Aurelio Pecce launched because Aurelio Pecce didn't just create an organization he created an organization that then um, started to work very closely with MIT and MIT provided them with a series of uh, resources and researches for uh, some very serious research that was never been, uh, been conducted, had never been conducted before then, especially because there was, this was groundbreaking technology, artificial intelligence was still developing, but they used this, uh, uh, this artificial intelligence to develop something called World one, and then they went on to World 3, which basically was an advanced computer simulation of interactions between the population, industrial growth, food production, and limits in the ecosystem of the Earth. And at that point, uh, they, in their vision of things, we will reach the year 2020 and reach a critical point in which part of the population uh, had to be eliminated because we will be too much. So they knew this already back then. The study became a report that the club published called The Limits of Growth, and it was then translated later on in 37 languages. And immediately, Klaus Schwab, who had been already, prior, the year prior to the publication of the report, starting his adventure in Davos, with, and, and this is important, with Otto von Hausburg, and people need to understand that uh, this technocratic uh, elite is not only, uh, you know, the result of some academic uh, kind of just uh, naturally, you know, they became naturally drawn to all this. No, it's, it's, it's very well put together, all this, and it was put together in the realms of real power because Otto von Augsburg. Uh, is, is an Im important figure that delivered his first, first uh, the first speech ever to be delivered at Davos was delivered by Otto von Hausburg, who died in 2011, uh, was born in, two, uh, in 1912. He was the head of the house of Augsburg Lorraine, and he could have then, be, he was the crown prince, uh, but of course, from 1916 to 1919, then there was the dissolution of the Austro-Hungarian uh, Empire. So at that point, uh, he remained, though, as the uh, sovereign, uh, let's say, uh, the grand master in charge of one of the most important orders, which is the Order of the Golden Fleece. Count that some of his members still nowadays, I mean, the Golden Fleece is still very active, and some of its members are like uh, the Queen of England is a member, for example, of the Order of the Golden Fleece. And the Order of the Golden Fleece 
is actually even mentioned in a Masonic ritual. When you get initiated in England in emulation uh, on the, in, in the first degree of entered the apprentice, and you are given your white apron, your lamb apron, they say this is more important than the, any golden fleece or uh, the order, the guard. Uh, so they make it a, like an example that this is. So, I mean, you can understand how important is this order of the golden fleece. Uh, and uh, today, the order of the golden fleece uh, is a Catholic order that is still uh, has as grandmaster Charles II of Spain who is also connected to the Habsburg family. So um, I wanted to talk about uh, this because uh, when you go and study the history of the Illuminati, of the order of the Illuminati of Adam Weishaupt, which I think uh, was very well defined uh, with the research of our friend uh, Joseph Wages, uh, which did an excellent job uh, yeah. with his uh, uh, book, uh, The Secret School of Wisdom. Uh, why did he, he did an excellent job? Because uh, he was able to compare a number of manuscripts, something like over 30 different manuscripts of the rituals, and uh, together with another couple of gentlemen, one of them unfortunately died in very uh, weird and mysterious circumstances, but uh, they put together this book that, that was published, as you know, a few years ago by Louis Masonic. Of course, uh, this book is not really a book uh, that you can understand if you're not really initiated into the system and you understand, but you can appreciate it more if you are, you know, I mean, if you have been uh, not only a Freemason, but also involved in the Minerval Assemblies and the mm -hmm. lodges of, that deal with the Illuminati degrees, you know, that is definitely a well put together book. And uh, so I love to cite uh, also some of the rituals from the secret school of wisdom at time because I find them excellently translated and put together. But these kind of things, as you know, uh, Ryan, tend to become very boring for the non-initiated and the profane. So I wanted to find a way in my book to always keep the attention of the reader and on things that actually pertain to their life today. So the Order of the Golden Fleece uh, is now today guided uh, uh, as a grand chaplain of the, of, of the Austrian branch by Cardinal Christoph Schomborn, who is also a very powerful figure, for example, at the moment in the whole Illuminati Masonic establishment. And we have also a guy called uh, Father Benninger, who used to be a diplomat in uh, Austria, and then in 2009 his wife died, and a couple of years after he was made a priest and suddenly became a monsignor, and now is in charge of the interreligious dialogue uh, with the Muslim world within uh, the project of the Human Fraternity, which is a Masonic project. He himself made a book, actually, uh, How to Reconcile Freemasonry with Catholicism, that uh, was published and presented in front of both the German and the Austrian Grand Master. I showed in my book also for the first time a picture of uh, this uh, Father Wenninger together with the Vice President of the Illuminati Order, Pier Giorgio Bassi, aside from a picture of him next to the Austrian Grand Master yes. and his book. So here we're not talking about speculations. There is nothing to speculate. You as a Freemason, could, could you debunk this book, uh, Ryan? Not at all. In fact, the 
amazing part of this book, in my opinion, is how it is just very well laid out, explaining things that you and I both study and research in depth, bringing about my next question, which is ET disclosure at the Pentagon and the Vatican cover-up of their demonic allies. Can we get into that a little bit? Yes, this is something that I wanted, is a subject that I wanted to touch because we really see today this apparent disclosure, no? especially in the last couple of years, the Pentagon has been more open. There was, of course, an order that was signed by Trump. Eventually, after six months, they revealed that, yes, UFOs exist. We don't really know what they are. That was simply in the end, synthetically, you know, what they came up with. But UFOs are real, as well as aliens. Uh, and, and, and as you know, in a previous book, uh, I wrote uh, Invisible Master in particular, but also partly in volume four, I talked about uh, all these connections between the occult world and uh, uh, the alien UFO reality. But in this book in particular, I wanted to focus uh, from, uh, from another perspective because we have also some political implications. And we have the fact that even Donald J. Trump, apart from signing this second coronavirus stimulus bill uh, which, uh, in two law in December 2020, which suddenly set this 180-day countdown, no? Uh, that required the U.S. intelligence agency to report uh, what this phenomenon really was, he also answered to his son in a way that was almost admitting that something happened in Roswell. And I had to talk also by my own experience in Roswell because I actually went there, had a very particular experience. But I already touched partly on that in Volume 4. What I focus more here instead was how the Vatican has been working for years on this disclosure project and also all the links that we have already between the Federal Reich, Reich and, of course, Theosophy and, of course, then ufology, no? We had the debris society. We have all kinds of things there. But when, then we have also the imminent Fourth Reich, which is Klaus Schwab reality, which is entrenched in artificial intelligence, in the control of human beings in every aspect. And that really makes you think, what is going on here? I mean, are we uh, being subject to an invisible invasion uh, and has Donald J. Trump's integrity been compromised during his time as a presidency because of this? Because the problem is we see that the FBI has really changed a lot in the last uh, uh, 50 years. Okay, oh, maybe yeah. I would say it has changed a lot in the last 50 years for, for, for some reason, but we don't understand the reason. So then we need to go back 60, 70 years, understand what happened in the 50s, in the 60s, when the FBI was really at the forefront of combating and of fighting communism. And suddenly, in some way or another, they have become from the people in charge of fighting communism to the people in charge of defending it. 
and, and this is, of course, something that I wanted to outline. But I also wanted to explain to people that something more sinister was going on in the Vatican when you have seen these nativity scenes in the last couple of years. Not only the one that was obviously linked to some kind of ancient astronaut uh, meet in, in December 2020, but even the one in December 2021 connected to uh, Peruvian sh shamanism. And so I think that uh, the, 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 it's rather clear that uh, the, the Jesuits and the Vatican, and I cite their own sources just to confirm, no? uh, Guy Consormagno, the head of the, for the, the Specula Vaticana, which is in charge of all these things, and they are ad admitting that if the aliens, uh, that they call aliens, uh, come to us and reveal to us uh, things that deserve to us, uh, that, that will shake our own religion and, and that we might need to change our own beliefs because of it, so, so, so be it. It's not only them wanting to convert anymore, uh, like at some point it was said. No, it's also maybe wanting to convert us to some kind of reality that uh, is, uh, of course, uh, being gradually revealed to us in some way. Um, and the fact that this technology that has been unveiled since uh, the Roswell accident has eventually influenced all our lives, and in the end it could well be a trap laid by the same people who want to uh, colonize us, because this, we are a civilization, are, uh, as you can see in my book, uh, reaching at what uh, this Jesuit called Pierre Tellard de Cardin described as the Omega Point. And, Pierre, and I say in the book that Pierre Tellard de Cardin, apart from the fact that I already cited him in volume 6.66 and described who he was connected mm -hmm. to both for the making of the movie 2001 Space Odyssey and the making of The Exorcist. He was inspiration for both of these movies. But I wanted to explain instead in this book the importance of the Omega Point to make people understand how the Vatican is really preparing for artificial intelligence, how there has been a lot of meetings, how they are actually embracing the idea, which is uh, uh, very dangerous because uh, uh, transhumanism is on the horizon. It doesn't seem like the Vatican understands that, uh, I mean, of course they understand. They just chose to be on the wrong side. The moment in which you start to place things inside your body, you are no longer living in the image of uh, God. You are deciding to become something else. You don't accept the perfection of the image of God. Made, made in God's image means that we can't go and screw up ourselves and, and transform ourselves in something else. So the, the, the Christians today are very worried, of course, when they hear about uh, times... Uh, the UFO phenomenon, because they often link it, rightly so, with the, demon, the demonic phenomena. And, uh, and so I wanted to also discuss that, as well as discussing, though, uh, the, 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 the fact that the Jesuits have been really at the front of the UFO, uh, how can you say, disclosure, and they have also been very much... Uh, very important, uh, I mean, 
that involved, let's say, when it comes down to astronomy with their Mount Graham International Observatory and their large binocular telescope, infrared utility camera, which, which basically stands then, now the initials, Lucifer, stand for large binocular telescope near infrared utility camera and integral field unit for extragalactic research. I mean, it's a quite complex name they are put together and the initials are really, uh, and it's connected to the Vatican Jesuits. It's actually connected, even if they are trying to, to say that uh, uh, they, 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 are, they, they are not, I describe and I cite, of course, all kinds of credible sources always when it comes to my uh, books, because I don't want these books to be debunked later on for having cited, uh, you know, maybe somebody who just talked out uh, of his ass, sorry. <laughs> so, so, so um, when you have high-ranking spokesperson for the Vatican that uh, are really interested in all this, and that are working in some way to prepare humanity for this point, I wanted to also describe the, the understanding of the Alpha and Omega in, in the eyes of these people, because the, the Omega point is the point in which the artificial intelligence that we have and is already present in our lives through our mobile phones, our computers and everything else, will eventually rule our lives and will eventually become so uh, important that it will uh, encompass everything, including God. And that moment, that Omega moment, uh, it's, 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 it's also, in a way, a dangerous moment because, in fact, we see what happened in, space, uh, in 2001 Space Odyssey with AL-9000, no? We see the adverse reaction that usually artificial intelligence has towards human beings. And actually, just the other day, and after the book had been already uh, um, printed for a while, I mean, I mean, it's been out for a couple of weeks now, uh, I don't know, I think maybe 10 days, I don't know, I haven't cal calculated exactly how long it's been out for, but basically I saw that there has been, just the other day, another study by... Uh, academics that are warning that the artificial intelligence might mean the end of the human race, the, the, the development of the artificial intelligence. So, so I wanted to, of course, then describe the fact that in the eyes of certain scientists, an evolved alien race will, of course, uh, use artificial intelligence. It will be driven by artificial intelligence. And so the moment in which they are driven by such a complex artificial intelligence that probably calculates all the, all, all the variants, everything, all the variables, everything, the possibilities, no? And then you want to conquer a planet. What is the best way to do it? Is it by sending a bunch of spaceships that can be eventually, you know, start an insurrection? No. It was actually by eventually giving access to their technology, maybe through the recovery of a spaceship, and, and, and that, in, that technology, basically, that retroengineering has now uh, made us more, though, uh, in some way, more weak 
because if they are conquering us using the artificial intelligence, then it will be very easy. The moment in which we are ruled by 2030, like I explained in my book, by artificial intelligence, then it will be very easy for the alien artificial intelligence to automatically rule us, control us, without even having to do anything to our systems. Yeah, they just give us enough rope to hang ourselves. And that is sort of where my next uh, question is headed, is how twisted the people at the top or the elite are, how well organized, but deranged. And can we get into some of that perversion, how deranged they, they view this reset as a good thing? Well, but they also view, for example, the metaverse as a good thing. Uh, the dangers of virtual reality. And in fact, uh, immediately after the launch of the metaverse by Mark Zuckerberg, already we have uh, the first scandals, the first uh, complaints uh, for women who are getting harassed, uh, touched in the virtual world. He, he had to create even some kind of virtual space around the people. <laughs> so they would, you know, I mean, it, it, it's crazy what has happened, you know, with, and it's not even, I mean, how many people really have the metaverse uh, or are using the metaverse these days, not that many, but already we see that it's creating some problems. And, and it's only the beginning because you see, it's not only Mark Zuckerberg, I explain in my book, uh, the, uh, there is also other companies like Epic Games and so on. So, I mean, it's not only Mark Zuckerberg, this is a much bigger thing, uh, the virtual reality cage. Uh, prison around us that is being created. When it comes down to the occult then implications and the perversions of the elite, you don't need to go any further than Ghislaine Maxwell because, I mean, she's an example of what the elite is up to and how they, how they do it. And recently, and this is always after I already published my book, uh, we had another confirmation of all this with the murder of uh, that... Uh, yeah. Uh, model manager uh, Jean-Luc Brunel in, in, in Paris uh, uh, that uh, apparently hanged himself. And of course, he didn't hang himself. Uh, but, uh, I mean, it's like, it's like we are really made to believe that these people do no wrong. I mean, Hillary Clinton goes around still thinking she can candidate herself. They don't have any shame. They live in their echo chambers provided by the media that are corrupt and that are well paid for doing their job, which is just simply servants of the, uh, of the elite, mercenaries of the elite. And, but this book wants to also be a dire warning because, as you know, I touch on many other subjects here. But when it comes to the perversions uh, and how this whole thing, how even the New Age phenomena was born, but we, de we need to go and study the roots of the Greater Reset because the roots of the Greater Reset that are also the roots of the Further Reich bring us to Austria, bring us to Austria where uh, basically the Theosophical Society milieu influenced people like Adolf Hitler. And uh, the Svastika was, for example, uh, he's seen it for the first time on a publication by Franz Hartmann, who is considered a great Rosicrucian. But he was also a, a founder of a community in Switzerland, uh, 
uh, in Mount Verità. Uh, this place became uh, is a com is a common locality in Switzerland near Locarno. It's it's a place that basically has uh, um, has become a, from that moment onwards a place where a lot of these uh, theosophists will go to indulge in the first experimentations of what would later become uh, new, the New Age phenomena. The New Age phenomena uh, wasn't really a phenomena that was born in, uh, like some people can think, you know, people think a New Age, ah, it's born in, uh, in California. <laughs> it sounds good, you know, California. California developed it. California was essential to develop the New Age phenomenon and, of course, giving it a worldwide uh, resonance. But uh, the place where it was actually born is this place uh, which is a hill in Switzerland called Mount Verità. And in that place, later on, we have people like Augusta Jung, we have Theodor Royce, who not only became the co-founder of the World League of, uh, of the reborn Illuminati with their own name. And I talk also about all that uh, because I wanted the people to understand that it's true, the Illuminati, as the order of the Illuminati, didn't last much because they were already exposed in the middle of the 1790s, uh, 17, actually in the middle of the 1780s they were already exposed, like I explained in my book. But then after they changed names, no? And then at one point, a hundred years later, there was these guys in Germany uh, and Austria who were interested in reviving the order of the Illuminati. And they created actually a series of lodges that were particularly influential. And, uh, and all this happened within the milieu, always, the, the, let's say, the, the circle of people that belong to the Theosophical Society. The Theosophical Society has been definitely inspirational for all these people, and even for, unfortunately, then the birth of Ariosophy, that unfortunately then inspired later on the Holocaust, because the term Ariosophy was coined by Guido von Liszt, and Jörg Lanz von Liebenfeld, who definitely met Adolf Hitler, and it became very important, this new Ariosophy, they call it also Armanism, became very important in Austria, and it's really at the basis of the occult roots of Nazism, but these Aryan esoteric theories, that it was like they took a lot from Madame Blavatsky, and then they were developed in a way that unfortunately led to that occult revival in Austria and Germany that will definitely uh, bring, unfortunately, Nazism and the consequences of Nazism, which I described also uh, in, in the book. Uh, and, and that's why it's very important that uh, people understand. The rituals, of course, the perverted rituals made uh, by the Sabbatian Frankists uh, within the Jewish tradition. They, 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 they've always been involved uh, in this kind of uh, ritual. The Sabbatian Frankists were founded by a guy called Sabbatai Zevi, then by his supposed alleged re reincarnation 100 years later called Jacob Frank, and they became like a cancer within the Jewish, uh, the Jewish uh, world uh, that unfortunately is still there. And people like Henry Kissinger, who then became the mentor of Klaus Schwab, were part of it. 
I describe how Klaus Schwab was uh, hanging out on 9-11th uh, down at Saint... Uh, he was basically in the center of Manhattan uh, in, a par- in the park, you know, uh, watching the scene with uh, next to him, though, with somebody really influential, <laughs> which was uh, one of the main guys from, uh, uh, from the Jewish world, uh, also connected to the Sabbatian Frank. So, I mean, the, the links are there. The links are there. But also we have, in my book, if you have noticed, uh, other considerations that are important, like, uh, for example, uh, considerations regarding uh, the Capitol Hill riot uh, trap, which I defined as a trap. Because then we go also to what I said earlier regarding the FBI, the FBI and the and the UFO phenomenon. They changed so much, this FBI. And they changed also because they interacted with things that in a way or another have pushed them to become now a danger more than a value for us. I mean, the FBI should be the people who are supposed to federally defend the law enforcement in this country and, and, and investigate things not persecute some uh, some people who simply because they heard to the BS of, uh, of QAnon went there and entered the Capitol Hill after they were almost invited inside. I mean, of course, we know that nowadays that is like, just like the Capitol Hill police, these are institutions that have been used by the Democrat Party and will be used more and more, unfortunately. So this book is important, but it's also a very dangerous book because uh, who knows what will happen in the future? Who knows if we're going to be allowed to even publish books like this? And I don't know if we will. I don't know if we'll be able to see books like this in the future, and that's the problem. The QAnon PSYOP, if you want to call it that, is a really good example of how people can be drawn into... You know, and QAnon is something that I think there's some reality there, but that's all it takes is a little reality. You mix it in with disinformation, and this is how a lot of the Illuminati fear is used, this uh, socialist paradise, if you want to call it that, and... Let's get to the big question, Leo. I mean, I mean, I want to be very clear. When QAnon, uh, on the QAnon conspiracy, I, I actually, like you see, like you saw, I unveiled it very, very much in detail. Uh, all the the, the the disinformation around oh, yeah. how it actually yeah. was launched and how it worked out. But it was there was there was a reason why they were feeding people with this uh, with this whole thing. Because, you see, people like me who have been around uh, for 20 years saying these things, or people like Alex Jones or David Icke, suddenly we have QAnon coming out of nowhere, and everybody believed in in, in, in QAnon because QAnon was picking up from a lot of what we had already laid there. But then they were making it into some kind of... uh, fictional uh, I don't know I mean it was it was crazy how people yes, just were yeah. drawn into it like a cult I I lost even a friend or two that just went after this whole thing too much and I couldn't recognize them anymore 
And I, I, I warned them, especially when Trump lost in November 2020. Mm -hmm. Now, whatever, I mean, if he lost because he was frauded of his victory or not, but he lost, and the moment that he was certificated as he had lost, for me, that was it. I, 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 I actually begged the people uh, close to Trump and, and other people to just uh, focus on 2024 and 2022, not to focus on the lost and the fact they stole the election. Because once the elections are stalled, that's it. Once they're certificated, what are you going to do? So either you are ready to do a civil war, but a civil war is not like a bunch of idiots storm the Capitol Hill. It, it, it was just very stupid what happened, and it kind of aggravated our position in this country because now we are almost like considered like terrorists. Not almost, we are considered like terrorists at, at some levels. And it's, it's, it's crazy because uh, yeah. in the future they will be able to go after us uh, and only because all this happened and, uh, and there was no reason uh, for, for, for going in that day, but there was actually no reason for keeping on this whole thing. Trump should have just given in and then uh, I was, uh, that was the moment in which at the end of December, even myself, I went on Infowars and I said to, I said to Owen, don't go, I mean, you're going to be disappointed with what comes after the six, what, arrives, what, what happens on the six. Because, uh, you know, I told them it was a trap. I told all the guys I know in the, that I personally met, like I say in the book, you know, I, I, know, I even interviewed Enrico Tari on my show. I uh, met many proud boys. They participated to many of my conferences. They even acted as security. But... I, uh, the people who actually followed my advice are the ones who didn't have any problems because they didn't go to Washington. They immediately understood from the early December, you remember there was like an early December event in Washington prior to that. Uh, there, there had been a couple of events prior to the 6th of January, but from the one in December, I think it was early December, uh, 2000 and, uh, and, and, and was, I think it was, early December 2020, and they, they understood from how things were moving there. In the, these are smart people. Eh? These are smart people. So they understood what was going on, and they immediately told me, Leo, this is a trap. They, we, they were setting up a trap for us already back then. And, and so I think that... Uh, uh, they should have understood that already in uh, in December, before then making themselves liable for, uh, you know, and, and, and then falling into the trap. Like moths to a flame. And that's the problem. It was a setup, a psyop, politics. Yeah. And um, Leo, I want to get into the real question. How do we prepare for the great societal collapse that may be coming? So once we have understood who these people are and what they're doing, and we don't simply focus on things that can't be proven, but already what is proven is enough, because you have seen him with my book, you know, I don't make any speculations, but already what I have put, brought to light is enough to understand that we are in a very dangerous place here. So how are we going to react to all this? Are we going to just act in compliance 
because here I talk very, in very much in detail of the sanitary dictatorship that has manifested as part of a plan of a bacteriological warfare, which is only the first stage, because then you have the nuclear warfare. And, 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 and for that reason, I uh, created this project of the Greater Reject, because I don't think we have much time. I think that people need to wake up before it's too late. Uh, we started already a, uh, a group here with Jordan Maxwell, who has moved recently here in Coachella Valley. He lives in Palm Desert. Great project. And, and, and we started the, the, great, uh, the great reject uh, with the idea to reject the great reject, but also lay the foundation for something new. So... Uh, and I had also other people who are doing similar things. So the idea is now to draw them all inside this project, even the people who have embraced for the last few years the great readout. I don't know if you heard about that. I also discussed that in the book. Uh, and, 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 and the fact that basically there is uh, whole areas of America in which patriots are starting to live because they... You see, when a few years ago this former U.S. Army intelligence officer and survivalist Wesley Rhodes wrote this book, which designs a bit the, 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 the idea that people can maybe find a solution for moving to a specific area of North America. And those areas are, at the moment, Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, along with parts of Oregon and Washington. But the problem is that we need to extend all this, and we also need to include in the American readout a much wider idea that can uh, help the, 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 the people, regardless of their uh, religion or ethnicity, in, in a society that can... Uh, survive. Of course, I have uh, pointed out that conservative Christians and people who have similar values, like-minded values, are probably more drawn to each other. No? And uh, I think that uh, the great reject, though, has to be able to reject also any extremism, uh, any sectarian uh, ways. Because otherwise we will be just uh, creating the next, uh, you know, the next nightmare, sectarian nightmare, no? So I think exactly. that it's very important that we uh, distinguish our own belief in God. And, and, and what's going to happen, though, is that we need to also realize that this republic on which we stand is very uh, frail uh, and very much in danger because maybe it doesn't have the DNA necessary to uh, react against the infiltration of the socialist communist nightmare that is unfolding. I mean, we have seen it more and more. Politicians go to Washington. After a couple of years, they get bought and that's it. And they become like everybody else. We have seen it over and over again. And it doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or Republican, because even the Republicans, in many cases, have demonstrated weakness, unfortunately, 
Even Donald Trump himself, in front of the big pharma, has demonstrated weakness when he endorsed the Fed, the, the booster publicly, mm-hmm. and, and all that. And I, I'm very critical of that, and I made it known in my book. I'm not, even if, as you know, I was the Italian, pre, I was the president of Italians for Trump. I was one of the first people to endorse even his bid to the candidacy uh, to, to become president in 2015 with uh, Alex Jones. We started this project in Rome, but. And, and we, I mean, I think that uh, we, we have really helped, you know, the credibility of Trump from the start. When people were not even in any of this QAnon nonsense. Uh, but now to see him proposing uh, the, the booster as uh, in the, in this, uh, this nonsense as all the solution for Europe, he's embracing science just like the Pope as the ultimate solution for all of us. It doesn't work like, like that. Yeah, man. And, 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 and so I wanted to explain in this book, uh, not only, you know, I mean, we have had, of course, the TV entertainment, like the doomsday preppers and all that, you know, to, at times to even take fun of people, no? Oh, yeah. But, because I remember once the, the, Italian, the Italians wanted to do, the Italian National Geographic came to me, they wanted to do an Italian version of the doomsday preppers. They came to me and they said, ah, they may started to make interviews, things. I said, listen, guys, uh, we are not like you, what, what you think. Uh, this is not like you, what you think. But in, apart from the fact that nothing is going to happen now in 2012, but it's going to un- be unleashed in 2012, this whole chain of events that will bring us to 2020. In fact, as you know, in my book, Volume 2 of My Confessions, I actually wrote in 2020, there will be a virus that will lock you all up, and from there on, and then next after that, there will be the later on in 2022, we will go towards a third world war. But I actually wrote that there will be a virus that will be unleashed in 2020. And that brings up a serious concern. You have legitimately, in my opinion, written a lot of things that have come true, and people ignore them. Yes. Much yeah. like much like the Great Reset in general, and much yeah. like a lot of things that the media are coming out with, why is it that the majority of the population just ignores the information that is presented before them? First of all, because uh, when I tend to reach a bigger audience, they censor me. So it's like my channels get removed. I got mm. uh, in the last uh, year and a half, I got uh, maybe 14 channels removed from YouTube. And I, I keep on uh, putting new ones because I know that, uh, yes, we have Rumble, Bishubo there, but these are platforms that don't go really anywhere if you don't have a lot of money to invest uh, in promoting them. Uh, YouTube gives you an immediate platform, but it's a lot of censorship. The same can be said with censorship uh, uh, also on radio, on TV. In Italy, I had to leave Italy, as you know, because uh, I was not only censored. There, I, I, I was threatened with, the arrest, with being arrested because there you can be not only liable to a civil lawsuit when you write about somebody, but also to a criminal lawsuit. So I will be arrested for what I write. Well, and they probably would have tried to kill you, Leo, to be honest. And, and, and aside from that, they would have definitely tried to kill me. This was even before the pandemic, and already they were treating me like in the same way they treat people like uh, nowadays. When I was in Italy, my Facebook was censored every two minutes. It was like impossible to do anything. At one point, I stopped posting in the Italian language 
and I never did again. From the 1st of January 2019, I never posted again in the Italian language. And still, in March 2019, before leaving Italy, I had the police coming at my door for a post on Facebook several months before, telling me the judge was considering it. I mean, it was crazy, the level of oppression and also the level of corruption that I witnessed. So, I mean, the fact that a sovereign commander and a grandmaster of an irregular Masonic body in the south of Italy were capable of manipulating the judiciary and they themselves, I mean, what I wrote was confirmed by a testimony given to the police by a guy inside who said this was the head of the lodge for the Andrangheta Mafia. I mean, this means that, of course, I could have been killed because the Mafia, the Andrangheta, call them whatever you want, because, of course, nowadays Cosa Nostra is not the number one Mafia. Nowadays it's the Calabrese, the Andrangheta Mafia is the number one. And they were after me. And they told me. And they told me that I needed to bow down to them. And I did it. So definitely I could have been killed. And, 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 of course, we discussed today about all the rituals, the perversion. These people do a lot of perverted things, uh, and they usually put into power people they can easily blackmail. But the fact that they couldn't blackmail me because they didn't have anything against me. I never, I never participated to things, even if I was invited. I rejected their invitation. And I tell you, when I came here to America and eventually I got my green card, I was interviewed and I was asked by the interviewer if I had participated in that kind of ritual. Wow. I mean, so, I mean, this is serious stuff. I had to even uh, make a list of all the secret societies that had been involved aside from Freemasonry, the knighthoods. I mean, this was official stuff. I mean, out of the blue, they asked me that. So, I mean, there is a lot of things that, of course, I can't discuss everything because I'm still in the process to take my citizenship. But, I mean, the, the problem is that uh, definitely they have feared uh, the fact that somebody who was at such a high level uh, suddenly starts talking about it and, and is not fearful about it. So, And the problem for them is, of course, they could have killed me. And uh, you said it, uh, you know, yourself now. No, maybe they could have killed me. But maybe they didn't kill me up until then. They probably would have done after. I don't know, especially with what happened after the pandemic. Um, because they became even more aggressive. In fact, I, in fact, I did dedicate this book to three people who died in the last, since the beginning of the pandemic. People who died in very mysterious circumstances. My friend Hans Gardner, and I wanted to ask, I, I wanted to ask about that, Leo. Uh, last I heard, there was a fellow journalist from Norway who passed away under strange circumstances. Did you ever hear any more from that? Yeah, well, I heard from his family. So, I mean, Norway it is it's it's, it's a hell a hellish uh, socialist uh, place that uh, you can't really get many people to speak out openly because they will immediately come after you. The people who were close to him kind of immediately uh, went into hiding, especially the people who participated to his last meeting because he used to organize these uh, almost weekly appointments in, in his farm out uh, of Oslo somewhere. Mm. And, and the people who participated there, they were actually, the police were trying to trace, uh, you know, with the excuse of COVID, 
saying, oh, he was exposed to COVID. You need to come forward and tell who you are. <laughs> uh, so, so, I mean, it was really scary what happened in the, with Hans. Uh, the, 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 of course, some people say he might have contracted, but the thing is that he was uh, perfectly well on the weekend, and on a Monday he died. I mean, that, that kind of scenario. I mean, he died immediately after uh, being completely fine, not having any health issues uh, I mean, I know I, I know Hans for many years, and he always been a healthy individual. Uh, anyway, so I, I was very shocked, very disappointed. Also, when the Norwegian media so aggressively attacked him after his death. I mean, okay, a guy has died. Why do you have to attack him and make a mockery of him? Right. I mean, that was really out of order, especially because they never cited the fact that he was actually a journalist and he was a proper journalist. He just gave up on normal journalism the moment in which uh, I was arrested in front of him. You remember when I was arrested yeah. for espionage in Norway and he was present on my arrest. And, and, and basically, then that changed a bit his life and his way of thinking. And so he, he, he decided to become a researcher and somebody who will divulge the, 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 the truths about the New World Order in Norway, in a country in which, uh, sincerely, there is not much opposition to all this. And, and, not, and most people are simply going along like zombies uh, in, in this whole thing. So uh, I definitely wanted to dedicate uh, this uh, book uh, to him, like I dedicated did. also to other two figures uh, that I didn't meet personally, but uh, who were equally important. Uh, and uh, one is that um, a doctor... Uh, from uh, Germany, Dr. Andreas Noack, who we also busted, the German police busted in his, uh, during a live stream, you remember? It, it kind of became oh, yeah. popular in November 2020. He was doing conduct, con simply conducting a stream about his theories on the pandemic, on uh, everything that was going on, Trump, everything. and he got the police violently busting inside them. They then kind of said, oh, we were just searching for somebody else who was living next door, all kinds of BS. Oops. But yeah. then, one year later, he went to live in Austria, thinking he could uh, get away from the German Nazis. But, I mean, you don't go living in Austria, which is the best place of Adolf Hitler. So he died in very mysterious circumstances after uh, another visit by the police. And, 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 and the girlfriend was publicly distraught and made... Uh, uh, very strong, sent a very strong message. Then later on, she obviously was threatened and she kind of backed off a little bit. But I wanted to dedicate this book also to him because he talked about graphene in the vaccine. And uh, as him, there was another guy who wanted to denounce the graphene, it was Dom Dr. Domenico Biscardi, who died in early January 2022, so only at the beginning of this year. And he was... Uh, also somebody who was perfectly fine, perfect, no problem, suddenly, boom, dies. And they, of course, always blame it on COVID. Very convenient for somebody who was about to go and publicly denounce as a doctor, because both Noah, the guy in Germany, and this guy were doctors. So they were academics. They were not just simple people. And they could represent a threat for the big pharma. So, uh, 
I was very detailed about uh, the, the, how they died in my book, and I dedicated the book to them because I considered them as victim of this Fourth Reich. Fourth Reich, that is a concept, as you know, that wasn't really discussed much in the last few years because everybody's a bit afraid of discussing the Fourth Reich because they end up very badly. Yeah, there's no... I agree. And I also agree that this book discussing the Great Reset Conspiracy and how it has gained traction mm-hmm. with uh, an ongoing spread... This and is... also the Vatican roots, because in, my, in this book, for the first time, I also explain what are the pact of the catacombs, how uh, Bishop, uh, the Red Bishop, Bishop Camara uh, from Brazil, inspired Klaus Schwab. Klaus Schwab, with his own words, said that it was the most important moment of Davos when he had to decide to bring him there in Davos in 1974. He admitted it himself last year. And he was the guy who laid the foundation for liberal theology and for everything that then went wrong uh, with liberal theology in South America, but also as a mentor of the upcoming the the Pope, which is uh, now Bergoglio, which comes from there. So it it is all all connected, also because in the catacombs uh, it was no ordinary place. And the pact was renewed in 2019 during the other infamous synod of the Amazon, where they took out all those uh, uh, Pachamama goddess uh, and all that uh, pagan rubbish was exhibited during the synod dedicated to the Amazon. You've wrapped everything up so well here, Leo. And the truth is, it's good to encourage people to resist any force going against their own... Well, uh, yeah, that uh, in the manual that I also um, add to... I mean, this is, uh, like I said, part essay, part manual. Like you see, uh, I, I wanted to include also the actual survival uh, techniques, uh, how to survive, uh, what kind of place you should find, you, you know. Uh, if it, Also, to try to find more like-minded people to uh, get this project together because it's like... You and your family alone will not manage maybe to fight herds of uh, people arriving from the big cities in despair. You need to have weapons. You need to have uh, more people together because the unit, uh, unity of more people is strength, definitely. So I describe a lot, a lot of these uh, things in my book uh, regarding also survivalism and uh, when you need to start preparing, uh, when you start seeing specific uh, things happening, like, for example, what is happening right now with Ukraine and Russia. There's so much, so much going on, pointing right at all of the things that you outline in this book. Let's tell listeners where they can get the book, purchase it, and how they can support you and follow your efforts. Okay. So they can purchase this book on Amazon. You simply need to uh, digit uh, the name Leo Zagami, volume seven of my confessions. The title is From the Occult Roots of the Great Reset to the Populist Roots of the Great Reject. And you can also find the links to all my books and my latest articles on leozagami.com. And uh, for the first time, we are glad to say that this book is not only available on paperback, but it's also available on hardcover, which is a new 
option that we were given by Amazon. Awesome. And um, it's working very well. I mean, uh, for me, it's important that this book comes out now and that people purchase it now rather than later because I don't know if there's going to be a later. Now is now is all we have. And I think now is the time. The new book is volume seven has... And then prepare. And then the great reject tells you exactly what to do and also gives you an email to contact me and yes. uh, organize uh, in around the world, in this country, around the world, uh, the great reject. Uh, you know, to just start uh, uh, working around this concept with the like-minded people. Which I love that great reject ideology. I adhere to that. And thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and giving people some light at the end of the tunnel. Can't thank you enough, Leo. And uh, can't wait to talk to you again in the future. Amazing book, by the way. Everybody should have this on the shelf. Thank you, Ryan. And uh, also, as uh, I wrote in this book, uh, I hope uh, that uh, Freemasonry can maybe at one point or another get back on track. Because at the moment, from what I have witnessed in the United States, it's completely derailed from the original purpose. It's uh, basically mixing religion and politics uh, within the lodges in ways that uh, was unprecedented, that is unprecedented. And it has abandoned definitely the initial Christian imprint in favor of something universally accepted, which I don't know, man. It's not really satisfying anybody, and it's also not really involved in the social anymore. It's speculative, but Freemasonry was always speculative, but it has had always a hand in the real world in helping the people. And if helping the, the people in the real world means only giving money for some charity here and there, well, that's not enough. It's been disappointing to see people meeting uh, in lodges on Zoom during the pandemic. Yeah, And pathetic. actually having uh, obediences, grand lodges here in the U.S. requiring vaccine passports uh, or two vetoing officers like here in California to, to check out if you have been vaccinated or tested. This is free and accepted Freemason we're talking about. No, this is robots complying to a state of things which has nothing to do with being free. So I hope that that state of things change. Otherwise, of course, just like the Catholic Church, just like every church in the world, the Christians, the, all the institutions today, political, religious, Masonic, are in crisis because uh, uh, mankind is not really being coherent and real with uh, itself. So let's pray for the future of this world and for the rebirth of institutions that can really guarantee stability in, uh, and, and honesty in, uh, in the next form of civilization, which will be probably coming together from the ashes of this one. Amen, brother. You, nobody can say it better than you have, and I can't thank you enough for coming on. God bless you and yours, and uh, let's talk soon, my man. All the best to you and your lovely family. Take care of your... <laughs> you have a, like, a great family. So I pray always for you, and take care of it. Take care, man. Thank you, Leah. Well, there you have it. I pray for Leo, too. He is a good guy doing a good thing. He's fighting the good fight out there for all of us. The Brotherhood, politics, conspiracy, and the very, 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 very real confessions that he has to offer and testimonies that seem to be coming true one after another. 
leading us into the omega point, which in all truth is truly coming, you know, everything he says in his books has come true and everyone ignores it. Uh, it, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing, but you know, this, this volume seven book is something everybody really should have on the shelf. It really does go into things that really will help your family. If things really do continue to go the way they really are going until next time, keep your eyes to the skies, feet on the ground, but don't forget to take a look around. Off in my time machine, third eye feeling like an evising. Blast off, blast off, blast off, blast off. Come blast off in my time machine, third eye feeling like an evising. Blast off, blast off, blast off.